right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you want to move back to your seats, we've got, uh, we've got some really great things in store tonight. More appropriately, the Lord has some really great things in store for us. So welcome to City Beautiful Church. My name is Ryan. Is anybody, this is your first time here? Raise of hands. This is Nene, this is your first time. Okay, we've got a few new people. Welcome, welcome. I hope that you feel welcome. We are in week 19 of our Spiritual Gifts series. Isn't that crazy? Week 19. I don't ever remember being part of a church that would do a series for 19 weeks. And we've still got about eight more gifts to go. But I don't know about you, but I have been so enlivened by this conversation. And it really has become a conversation as we've continued to step into these gifts and we've examined one a week. The conversations that I'm having with some of you about what you're discovering, that that the Lord is finally giving language to your passions, to the way that you see the world, to the things that you've already put your hands to in some regards, to the things you feel are on the very near horizon. And it's so beautiful because that's really where I feel like the substance of the work comes, is when we step out beyond today and we, we go out into our lives and we ask the Lord open-handed with high expectation, use us, equip us, speak to us about our gifts, cultivate within us a desire to come alongside of you in your rescue project of this world. And so we began by looking at the fivefold ministry. We moved into what you can kind of see as gifts of perspective, like knowledge and wisdom and discernment. And now we're going to step into another set of gifts. And I, I couldn't quite think of a really catchy title for these next gifts. We're going to be looking at tonight, healing, next week, miracles, and then deliverance. And I was like, oh, maybe these are like the, uh, we'll call them like the obviously spiritual gifts, you know, like you're just kind of your mundane, boring gifts. And then there's the really cool, exciting gifts. But I was like, no, that's not the Lord's heart. All gifts are inherently spiritual because they come from the Father. And he gives special privilege to those that we naturally don't really think so. And, and he kind of brings them all into fruition. Um, another way I was thinking about it is like maybe these are like the demonstrative gifts, which would make for like a really great pun when we do deliverance and we're talking about demonstrative, we're talking about monsters. But that doesn't work either because all the gifts are a demonstration of God's heart. So whatever you want to call this next little portion of gifts, that's up to you. Now, I think this is very important, especially as we're looking at these gifts. And this is very true of all of them, but I think it's good for us to be reminded of it here. And it's this, we are sensitive to the material reality around us, but we are not dictated by it. Another way to say this, we are in the world, but not of it. To each of us live in the material world, in a temporal reality. We have a limited perspective. We have limited experience. We have a very finite vantage point for the way that we see the world works. And that helps us out so much of the way the natural world works, the Lord has raised us into. So we kind of expect, you know, when I put my hand in the fire, I'm going to get burned. But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as those who are in intimate relationship with Father God, our center, our locus, our foundation is not solely in the experiences we have in the material world, but it's in the truth of who God is and what he says. 
And so much of the Christian life is learning to live in the reality of God and allow that to transform our everyday experiences. Now, some of you have I've heard teachings on healing or deliverance or miracles or whatever it is. And, and perhaps it's been wounding to you. Perhaps you found disappointment or whatever it is. There's a lot of things we bring in here because they can be very touchy subjects. Yep. <laughs> but I want us to be able to put those things to the side tonight and come before the Lord with new eyes and with open hands and to say, Father, I want you to reveal this to me as you see it. And I want our hesitation. I want our fear not to be the thing that makes us run from the truth of who God is, but the thing that actually draws us deeper into him. Can we, can we all be there together? Is that okay? All right, wonderful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have given us. We testify to the reality that you are here, that you are present to us, that you are with us. Father, would your spirit Would you send your spirit to push out of this room on places of fear and hesitation and disappointment? And in its place, would you bring your peace? Would you bring a hunger for you, a desire to know you more, an openness to see the world according to your truth? Father, may something be instilled in all of us tonight that has us go back out into the world seeking depth when it comes to the gift of healing. Father God, just just as someone once spoke to Jesus, we believe, help us in our unbelief. We pray all of these things in the strong and the blessed name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, gift of healing. Let's do this. You like that, Kevin? Let's do this. Okay, let's start here. Point number one, Jesus desires holistic healing for all of us. Jesus desires holistic healing for all of us. What does holistic mean? It means to be made whole, mind, body, spirit, heart, everything that comprises what we are as human beings. And even in a grander lens, everything that creation is, God is in the process of redeeming and restoring and reconciling and bringing all these things back to wholeness. What we find in the biblical narrative is the story of what was whole and perfect was broken into little pieces by sin. But that God through Israel, culminating in the story of Jesus as his Messiah, begins to rework the world and to bring it back together in wholeness. And so in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we read this. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministerial life. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now, I've said before, when we say to someone, what is the good news? Very often, what we want to say is, Jesus died for your sins. But a Jesus died for your sins is not the good news. Let me rephrase that. Let me add a little bit extra there. Jesus died for your sins is not the totality of the good news, the gospel. Because here we are, before the Sermon on the Mount, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. So what does this mean for us? 
that means the good news of the kingdom is the first words that Jesus preaches. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or we might say in this way, change the way that you think because the reality of God is so close that you can almost reach out and touch it. And that is the good news. And what do we find then? The cross is the vehicle by which this good news bursts forth into the world through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. But it starts here. And what I love with Jesus so consistently as it talks about him preaching the good news is that there's always an accompaniment of a demonstration of what this good news means. Because the gospel is not just advice. You hear me in that? The gospel is not just, hey, go and do these five things to live a better life and then maybe eventually you'll go to heaven when you die. But the good news of the kingdom, this new reality of God, enters into the world through Jesus and his church and his spirit. And it begins to transform and change and rework the world. And so every time we see this mention of Jesus preaching the good news, it's always accompanied by a demonstration. Here it talks about healing every disease and sickness. Elsewhere it talks about raising the dead and casting out demons. But the the good news of the kingdom is always holistic. And so healing is intimately woven into the journey of salvation. And that's for all of us. Healing is intimately woven into the journey of salvation. In the Greek, we find these two words, soteria and soso, and they both mean salvation. But in both words, this this connotation of healing and deliverance and redemption and reworking. And so as Christians, we can rightly claim that we have been saved, but it is also appropriate for us to say we are currently in the process of being saved. And yet to also say, someday we shall be saved. So what does that mean when we say, I am in soso, I am in soteria, I am in salvation? It means that God is bringing healing to my life. And so in that light, we see kind of two camps of healing. There's the healing of the physical kind. And what we see very often in the life of Jesus is that physical healing is used to catch somebody's attention, to draw them into the realities of God. That initial connection with somebody that brings physical healing is the thing that's meant to wake them up out of the mundane, normal, everydayness of life and to say, hold hold on a second. There's something going on here. There's something a little bit more than what I've assumed was the way that the world works. And it draws people into conversation with God. But there's another kind of healing that we might call progressive healing, and it works in our emotional lives and our spiritual lives and our relational lives. And this is the healing as Jesus works on us, as we follow him and he refines us, that is the progressive work of salvation within us. And so I want to share tonight two of my favorite healing accounts from the story of Jesus. And in both of these accounts, the, the fascinating thing to me is that both of them, there's the same root issue in both of the people coming to Jesus. But the way that it manifests in their life is drastically different. Would you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. It says this. This is immediately after the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. 
Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone. And I can only imagine the disciples at this point are like, no, Jesus, you don't understand how marketing works, bro. You've got to like, you got to tell this. You got to raise it up. Like we'll put it on some stickers and we'll put them on flyers. We'll pass them around. I'll be like, Jesus is in town. This guy, look at his skin. He's in, you know, Jesus is not very good at marketing himself. He says, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. That was, his, that was his way of getting back into society. Now, there's so much at work in just these four verses. Now, imagine this man has leprosy. And in that day, leprosy or any form of skin disease makes you unclean. And in Jewish tradition, according to the law, if you are unclean, then you are also untouchable. And not only that, if you were to touch somebody else, they become ritualistically unclean. And so it's not so hard for us to imagine that this man who has had leprosy for perhaps decades has never been touched by another human. Because to do so would invite shame and uncleanliness onto that person. Indeed, he probably lived in a leper colony, an encampment outside the walls of the city, over there in the trash heap, in the place that people are forgotten and abandoned. Now, what do you suppose that does to someone's spirit? Someone who, who, who craves the touch of another human being and hasn't felt it in a very long time. Someone who lives literally outside of the walls of acceptable society. You see, it's no wonder that this man, he comes and he gets down in front of Jesus as he kneels and he doesn't even have the capacity to ask Jesus what he wants. He doesn't say to Jesus, Lord, you need to heal me. Would you heal me? I believe that you can do it. No, this man's spirit is so broken that he just kneels before Jesus and I can only imagine that he can't even look Jesus in the face because he's so ashamed and he's so terrified of what he's doing and he just says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make him clean. Because this life of abandonment and rejection has brought him to the place where he can't even ask the thing that his heart wants the most. And what do we see in Jesus' response to this man? I think it speaks so much to the kindness of God, the sensitivity of Jesus, in that Jesus sees this man and he reaches out and he touches him. He says, I am willing, be clean. You see, in that moment, the man's leprosy is instantly healed. But I wonder, in that healing touch of Jesus, the touch this man has been waiting for decades for, how much more healing is present? The healing of abandonment, the healing of rejection, the, the healing of being unclean and unworthy. You see, Jesus desires the holistic healing of this man. And Jesus meets him in sensitivity in everything that he does. Now, the second story. There's, there's a version of it in Matthew 9, just the next chapter, but I actually want to le- read the version from Luke. So go to Luke chapter 8, beginning in the 42nd verse. We're going to read this again. Very similar story, very similar route in this person's life, but the outcome of it is quite different in the way that they interact with the world. So as Jesus was on his way, 
the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. You guys know what the implication is there, right? Imagine women, imagine being on your period for 12 years straight, okay? That's pretty gross, but that's our scriptures, okay? It's weird and it's icky and it's a bit much. But this is, this is where this woman is at. So just like the man with leprosy, if she's bleeding, it says in Levitical law that nobody can touch her. If she was to come into contact with anyone else, they become unclean and they have to go through the rituals of purification just to be able to get back into normal society and be able to come back to the temple. And so this woman has been bleeding for 12 years. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, immediately, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. You know, and sometimes we read that as if Jesus is indignant or if he's angry. But I don't think that's the Jesus we find here. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So for the first man, where a life of abandonment and rejection and uncleanliness had brought him to this place of despondency and despair and retreating into himself. That same lifestyle of abandonment and rejection and uncleanliness had created in this woman a desperation. She just knew that she had to get close to him. And just as the first man is not able to ask Jesus the question he desires most, she doesn't ask Jesus either. But she has the faith and trusts in the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus that even the tip of his cloak has got power. And you realize it says that Jesus is practically being crushed by the crowd. So what is this woman doing? She's pushing through the crowd. She's touching all of these different people. She's risking all of their uncleanliness because everybody she comes in contact with is ritually unclean according to the law. So this woman must be desperate to get near Jesus if she's going to risk that kind of insult on a community. And so when she so Jesus feels this power go from him. And I think he stops and he asks as he goes, wow. Not because he's in a place of, of being indignant, as I said before, feeling like someone's stealing from him. But because he recognizes there's a person of faith in him. He says, wow, somebody touched me. I need to meet this person. I need to meet this person that would risk everything just to come up and sneak behind me and touch the hem of my garment. And he turns and this woman, she's terrified and she explains herself. And again, the beautiful sensitivity of Jesus, he looks her in the eyes and says, daughter, daughter. When was the last time she had heard that kind of affectionate call in someone's voice? When was the last time that someone had looked on her and seen her as somebody worthy, not seeing her as a liability? Again, Jesus brings healing physically, emotionally, relationally. 
several years ago, I went out on the streets to pray with my friend Chad. Chad has a really beautiful uh, ministry that he, he goes out and he evangelizes and he invites healing for people. And we were getting ready to go to the mall because that's a great place to meet people if you are interested in praying for strangers. And we got, we're about to get in my car and Chad said, hold on, we, we, need, we need to go back over here. Okay, so let's go. And so we came across this elderly man. His name was Arthur and Arthur was homeless. And Arthur was kind of hanging out by this church, just kind of waiting. Have you ever been in that position where you're, you don't really know what you're waiting for, but you're just kind of waiting. And so we went up to this guy, Arthur. And Chad said, what's your name? He said, my name is Arthur. And he said, okay, Arthur, I feel like the Lord has a message for you. And this is what we call a word of knowledge. Very often you'll find it's, it's almost like a prophetic gift, like mixed with that gift of knowledge. And it's when the Lord gives us very specific facts about people that we wouldn't normally have come to know. And it's a really beautiful way to either start a beautiful conversation with somebody or to send them running. One of the two, but that's not your responsibility. You just be faithful to what the Lord gives you. But we approached Arthur and Chad said, Arthur, I feel like you see the fact that you are on this path and you're very worried about veering off the path that the Lord has you on. But he wants you to know that he's got you and that he's with you. And now we had Arthur's attention. And then Chad received another word of knowledge. He said, Arthur, does your, does your back hurt? He said, yeah, my, back, my back's been killing me for years. And your knees, your knees hurt too, don't they? Yes, they do. I have arthritis all over my body. It really, really hurts. And so we laid hands on Arthur and we prayed and God instantly healed his back and instantly healed his knees. And then I received this word of knowledge. I said, Arthur, how's your rotator cuff? Now, I actually had to go later and look up what a rotator cuff is because I didn't know what that was. And he's like, you know, I've been, I've been washing cars for like 20 years and it just kills me, all my joints. I'm like, All right, let's pray for that. And we laid hands on his shoulder and God healed his shoulder. And this guy's just, his mind is just being blown. Because what is God has seen where he's at, he's healed him physically. And he's just saying, I don't know how you guys know all of this stuff. Where are you getting this information? It's like, you know my whole life. I'm like, man, this is just, God is sick in love with you. God loves you and he sees you and he wants to interact with you. And when we had originally left the place that we were previously at, I felt like the Lord had given me this word that we were going to encounter somebody that had broken relationship. And I turned to Arthur's telling him about how much God loves him. And I said, you know, Arthur, you have a daughter, don't you? He said, yeah, I do. I said, do you believe that God wants to heal the relationship with your daughter? Because he desires that. I said, you need to call your daughter. He just melted. He said, you know, I got a phone yesterday for the first time in a long time. And we were able to pray into that relationship that God would bring healing in a place that was very broken between him and his daughter. You see, we walked up to a man who was just taking at face value the material reality around him. We don't know where he was with the Lord. We don't know what he believed in. But we were able to walk away from a man that we saw life come back to him into his eyes as he recognized God's desperate love for him, as God brought healing to his life. How many of you need that kind of healing touch of acceptance that we find in the story of the leper? How many of you need to hear those words just like the woman who is bleeding? When Jesus looks at you and says, take heart, son, 
take heart, God. We're going to take a moment, and I want you to turn to your friends, just one other person, and I want you to share a story of where Jesus has brought healing into your life. And maybe it's a story of a physical healing or an emotional healing or a mental healing or a spiritual healing. But I want us just to share together around this question. How have you experienced the healing touch of Jesus? I'm going to give you three minutes. Turn to one another. All right. Good job. Good job, everybody. Interacted, shared. Social skills on the plus. Okay. See, this is the beautiful thing is that testimony gives us a foundation for experience, a new foundation of experience. It gives us a foundation for believing what's possible. And it's important that whenever we share testimony with one another, when we share testimony out of our own lives or we come to the testimony of Scripture, that it's with the spirit of anticipation and celebration. Not that we become disillusioned or disheartened, but that we actually come out of it joyful in seeing what it is that is, that is possible with God, seeing the things that He's capable of. And when we all come together and we share our stories, my goodness, the, the, the breadth of stories in this room of how God has met us as he has revealed himself to us and how he has invited healing into each of our lives. And so it's so important that we're in a spirit of sharing these stories with one another. So just as we have all received in some capacity, we are called to give. Turn with me, please. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. This is the first time that Jesus sends out his disciples. It's the first time they're called apostles. And the word apostle is literally to be sent out, as we've discussed before. And so Jesus sends them out with these instructions. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely Give. Again, Jesus says, basically, you've seen what I do. You've heard what I say, and you've seen what I do to accompany those words. Now go out and do the same. Can you imagine being those guys and being like, uh, I didn't know there was going to be a test involved with this whole thing. I was, I was just going to watch you and like, you know, kind of write them down and be impressed. I didn't know I was actually ever going to do anything. But Jesus says, yes, go and share the kingdom. Speak about the kingdom, but also do the kingdom. And so if there's anything that you walk away from tonight with the exception of a miraculous healing in your life, because we're going to get there, okay, hold that by faith. This is what I want you to really ingest. Our call to invite healing is initiated by compassion, sustained by faith, and points to hope. Now I want to break that down into those three elements They're not terribly complex. You've probably already read them in 1 Corinthians 13, big reveal. Faith, hope, and love. Okay, so our call to invite healing is initiated by compassion. And what is compassion? I believe compassion is the place where justice and mercy meet. We live in a world where very often we feel like we're torn between those two, don't we? 
We feel like we have to choose one or choose the other. Am I going to pursue what's right or am I going to do the thing that's loving? But I believe that when we're guided by the Spirit, we find that place where justice and mercy meet. It's so amazing to see in the story of Jesus. Jesus doesn't float around three inches above the ground and come to people and just be like, oh, you need some healing? Okay, here you go. Oh, you need some healing? All right, here we go. That's not the Jesus that we worship. That's not the Jesus we follow. We find a Jesus who is profoundly affected by the people around him. We see these stories where it says Jesus had compassion. I've talked one of my favorite Greek words there about compassion. It literally means his bowels were clenched because he was so drawn in by the things going on around him. We see Jesus interacting with people and it says he was amazed when he heard this. He was deeply moved. You see, we have a Jesus that was motivated by compassion. He doesn't maintain professional distance. He doesn't just kind of cast out magic spells from over a wall. But because of Jesus' compassion, he sees the world around him for the way that it is. And he's drawn into the stories of other people. And he actually sets out to do something about it. So our call to invite healing is initiated by compassion and it's sustained by faith. And what is faith? Faith is us being able to believe that God can and will do the supernatural for an individual. Okay? That's what faith is in this line of thinking. So our faith is built on testimony of the past, what God has done for each of us, what he has done through us, and what we find in his scriptures. And so the more that we, we share stories, the more we see connections between what we read in scripture and how we actually live our lives, it builds faith within us. And it gives us an expectancy to see more. My friend Chad that I talked about, now he travels around the world being able to speak and to pray and to see healing. And he told me something really interesting when he began to pursue this lifestyle of healing. He said, you know, I prayed for probably a hundred people and didn't see anything happen. Isn't that strange? He hears a call to a gift of healing and he prays for like a hundred people and he doesn't see anything happen. But then he says, you know, there's maybe like person number 101 had a headache and I prayed for it and it went away. And that's the place where so many of us, if we even get to praying for the hundredth person and it's a headache and it goes away, we go, well, you know what? I mean, the sun's kind of gone behind the clouds and you did eat some weird pizza last night and maybe it's just because you're, you're drinking water or whatever. And we very quickly want to rationalize away the miraculous. But you see, Chad was... The Lord was birthing within him this expectancy for more, this intense gift of faith to keep pressing in and be faithful and continue to pray, even though he wasn't necessarily seeing things. And the more that he was faithful to pray, the more resilient he became and the greater level of miraculous he's seen. One of the last times I talked to him, he said now his expectation is that he wants to see a limb grow back. I want to be there, okay? I want to be at that level. He has amazing stories. They've gone down to Colombia several times and they've seen shriveled hands come back out and be made whole. They felt eyeballs growing back underneath his fingers. And now he wants to see a severed limb grow back. Do we have that kind of faith? Do we have that level of expectancy? 
I believe that it, we have to start somewhere. We have to step out and be a little bit more faithful. And then a little bit more. And a little bit more. And the more that we're faithful with the little, God will give us more. But we have to start somewhere. So our call to invite healing is initiated by compassion. It's sustained by faith. And it points to hope. And what is hope? We know that all shall be made well. All shall be made well. As Grandpappy Billy Graham once said, I've read the last page of the book and it's all going to turn out okay. You see, we have to root out of Christianity this idea that hope is just a vague optimism for tomorrow. Okay? When we read about hope in Scripture, when we are called to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, it is not the same word as, I hope it rains tomorrow. Oh, I hope things get better. I'm optimistic, but maybe, I don't know. That's not the hope we have in Jesus. The hope we have in Jesus, when you go and you read Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, it talks about all things will be made new. There will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain or sickness or death. That's the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We know where this ship is sailing. We don't know every step of how it's going to get there, but we know where it's headed. And as Christians, as believers, we get to invite the future hope, the certainty that God is rescuing this world and bringing back into accordance created creation. And we get to call that future hope back into the present and to see it come out in little foretastes of heaven right now. As we see healing, as we see restoration, as we see hope instilled in us. And I believe that when we stand on the foundation of that future certainty of where God is taking us and what he desires to do, and we see that called back by faith into the present moment, it builds in us this anticipation and this joyful desire to share the kingdom of God in the here and now as we continue to point down the road and to say, this is where we're going. This is what it's going to look like when all things are made right. That is a story that is a story worth living today. Our call to healing is initiated by that point of compassion. It's sustained by our faith, and it points us to hope. So, who among us has this gift? Let's talk about that. God equips the willing. Are you available to him? Are you available? Again, this is true for all of the gifts. But I think it's so important that we focus in here right now with the gift of healing. I don't believe that the gifts are created in these little schemas and silos that mean that there's some gifts that are for some people and there's some that are for others, and they are never going to cross. But I believe that God equips those who are willing We just have to be willing. We have to be in the moment to be able to say, yes, here I am, Lord, use me. And I believe that that means that this is a gift that is available for all of us. None of us are exempted. None of us are unworthy because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what he's commanded us to do. In Acts chapter 3, we read the story of Peter and John, and they're walking to the synagogue, and there's a lame man 
laying out in front of the synagogue and he's begging. And he asks Peter for some money. And Peter says, look at me. He says, silver and gold I have none. But such that I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Anybody remember that one? Walking and leaping and praising God. Nobody? No? Sunday school. It's fine. But it's, um, it's amazing. Like, G- Peter and John are just doing something that you and I do every Sunday, maybe even more. They're just going to church, okay? They're just walking to church. And this guy is laying out in front of the synagogue, and it says that his friends bring him there every day. And so what, what can we surmise? Peter and John have walked by this guy plenty of times. Plenty of times. They didn't go looking for him. But something happened in that moment when that man reached out for financial wealth that Jesus or Peter looked at him and said, look at me. I'm in this moment with you. Because Peter lived a life where he made himself available to whatever God would have him do in the moment. And that healing becomes this beautiful evangelistic moment. We read this. In uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 12 and 16, in the midst of his little sermon here, he says, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has completely healed him, as you can all See, And I love that because Peter's saying, why are you surprised? You know the character of God. You know what he's capable of. Why are you surprised? Friends, I want us to have that same spirit that whenever God brings healing or we extend a hand in faith and pray for others, we're surprised, but we're not surprised at the same time. Because we can say, yes, of course, this is God's heart. This is God's desire for the world. Why, why wouldn't I participate? Why wouldn't I step out and do what he's asked me to do? You see, praying for healing isn't a performance. It's an act of faithfulness. Turn with me to James chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. And I'm going to invite the band to come up at this point too. This is what James, the brother of Jesus, writes. Is anyone among you sick? Anyone. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I love here, James seems to be implying, he's talking about if you're, if you're in sin to confess and uh, receive forgiveness. And he's saying if you're sick, come before your church family and allow them to lay hands and pray on you. And I believe that what James is implying here is there is an integral connection between the sin in our lives, our spiritual health, and our, the sickness in our lives, the, the physical um, condition of our, of our bodies. And I don't think it's always one-to-one. I don't think every sickness we have is automatically because you're in some sort of sin. But again, this speaks to the fact that we are holistic creatures, that God desires to clean us out 
in every aspect of who we are and to draw us back together in our physical health, in our spiritual health, in our emotional health, in our relational health. Now, I believe this gift is available to all of us, and I also believe that some of us have a very strong propensity to this. I feel like some of us have a very strong gift of healing. And these are just a few of the observations that I've that I've seen over the past several years of someone that might have a gift of healing. Whenever you encounter brokenness in the world, does something within you leap? Whenever you see pain, whenever you see hurt, whenever you see abandonment or rejection, is there something in you that just jumps? We call that empathy. And that's the place that Jesus lived. And I believe that might be a very big indication that you have a calling to healing. This is an interesting one. Did you go into a medical career for a reason other than the fact that you want to make a whole lot of money? Because what's at the very core of that? That you want to make people well. You're not okay with sickness. You're not okay with brokenness. And you want to do something about it. I believe that that is a very big indicator that you may have a gift of healing. And here's my final point, my friends. Healing is evangelistic in the very deepest sense of the word. God sees you and he loves you. I believe tonight we get to joyfully claim this gift as our own. We get to push aside places of disappointment or hesitation or fear and to step in and to be faithful to what God has called for us to do. So if you would all stand with me, please. I'm going to pray that God opens all of our eyes to the truth of a gift of healing. Because like I said, I don't, I don't think any of us are removed from the opportunity to step out and to lay hands and bring invite life into, the, into someone else, to invite healing where there's brokenness. So if you just want to put your hands out in front of you, you can close your eyes or whatever you want to do. But genuinely, genuinely come before the Lord in confidence, in boldness, in expectation. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would move freely in this room right now, Lord. Would you ignite a spiritual gift of healing in our church? Lord, we want to be a church of healing. We want to be a church that invites wholeness. We want to be a church that comes alongside of you in your rescue project of the world and says, yes, let us invite the hope of heaven into the here and now and to see it manifest right before our eyes. Lord, would you instill within all of us a deeper level of the gift of faith? to step out, to get over ourselves, to get over our fears and to be able to say yes to you in the moment because we are the ones who are willing. Thank you, Father. Lord, I pray even now you would speak to some of us about very specific people that you want us to pray for. Lord, reveal to us the hearts for very specific areas that you desire to heal, that you want to equip us to step out and offer to others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, you can open your eyes. Now, if you are somebody who feels in some capacity called to the spiritual gift of healing, and that might be for physical healing, that might be emotional, that might be mental, that might be spiritual, I want you to come forward right now. Right now, if you feel a call to the gift of healing, come forward. Come on, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's okay. 
I won't bite you. If you feel in any way called to the gift of healing, I want you to come forward. Thank you. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Now I want to invite the elders and some of our spiritual mothers and fathers to gather around these faithful, to lay hands on them, and to pray for them. It's not a magic trick. It's not a magic trick when we impart gifts to one another, but it is an act of faith, a place of human connection that becomes divine because we've all been willing to say yes. So I want you guys to put your hands out in front of you. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for these dear ones. I thank you for those who are willing to stand in the gap between brokenness and wholeness, between heaven and earth, and to invite in the hope of your healing and restoration. Lord, in these ones, would you instill a particular gift of faith to see you do the miraculous, to see you do the impossible. Lord, would you give us creative avenues to be able to see that happen? Lord, I pray as we walk down the streets, we're the kind of people that stop, that look at people and say, look at me in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, be made whole. Come back into alignment. Sickness be gone in the strong name of Jesus. Lord, whatever it looks like, would you build within us that kind of call and that overwhelming, joyous desire to see that happen in the lives of others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Okay. Now here's where it gets real. Can some of you kind of go over there? Because there's so many of you, and I'm so excited about that. Thank you. Some of you scoot around there, and the rest that want to stay here, turn around. If you're in this place tonight and you need healing, and I'm calling this out, some of you have the faith for healing and some of you don't, and you're both welcome because that's what we see in scriptures. People that are afraid of what might happen if they come to Jesus and people that cannot wait to even touch the hem of his garment. If you are suffering from any sort of physical healing or physical ailment, spiritual ailment, a mental or emotional ailment, if there's a place of relationship brokenness, I want you to come forward right now. Don't be afraid. Come forward. Let these sweet ones lay hands on you and pray for wholeness in your life. Right now. Come on down. Come on down. Father, I pray that our desire to be whole trumps any place of fear within us. That we want to see you work in our lives. We want to be brought into your presence and see kingdom manifested in our own lives. Thank you, Father. So let us pray for one another and let us worship together. Amen.